0: Well, in 2017, our family went on a road trip to Northern California. For summer vacation, we camped in the majestic and spectacular redwood forest. Anybody have been there before? Okay, handful of you. It was a, a really memorable and remarkable place to be right up close to these giants, these skyscrapers of the forest. They stretch some 300 feet. Up into the sky. That's taller than a lot of our downtown buildings. And I discovered that some of these trees were over 2,000 years old. Think about that. We, we just came through celebrating Christmas, where we celebrate the birth of Jesus about 2,000 years ago. And about that same time, some of these trees were getting their start. That's just mind-blowing to me. But one of the most surprising things that I learned about the redwood trees is about its roots. I would assume that a tree that large would have roots that would go deep, dozens, maybe a 100 feet into the ground. After all, how could a tree so large and so tall be anchored and withstand winds and storms? So I was shocked to learn that the roots of a redwood only go six feet deep. But those roots stretch out over a hundred feet and actually weave together with the neighboring tree roots. They weave together, interlocking as it were, so under the ground is this magnificent network of support. The secret sauce of the redwood tree and its strength is not solitary, it's collective. Isolated they fall, but together they stand and they, they grow and they thrive. And redwood trees are not the only things that require a network of support to grow and to thrive and to flourish. We're in a, a series here in this new year called Rhythms for Life, and we've been looking at what are the practices that enable us to grow and thrive and flourish, so two weeks ago, we looked at the rhythm of Sabbath. Nathan was here to talk about that. What would it mean to block out a 24-hour period for rest and for delight? And last week, Mike Bennett was here to talk about the cultivating a rhythm of prayer and Scripture, that it deepens and fosters a connection with God. And today, we're going to talk about friendship, specifically spiritual friendship, how it is a vital practice that we are invited to foster in our lives for the purpose of deepening our connection with God. To have friends, as it were, that those friendships go beneath the surface like those roots and and support one another so that we might grow and flourish. Now, it's been said that we as a Western society, contemporary society, undervalue friendship compared to our ancestors, compared to those in the ancient world. Susan Phillips, who is a at Regent College from time to time, I remember she came to 10th and she said, what would it be like if you were at a social event, a party, and someone said to you, I was offered a job, a really great job in another city, but I turned it down because I have two or three really close friends here and it's important for me to stay connected with them. She said most of us would raise our eyebrows at at that comment. We'd be surprised that it's socially and culturally acceptable to relocate for work or to pursue a romantic relationship or for various other reasons, but not so with friendship. I know that there are seminars that are put on for marriage. Those are important. There are seminars for parenting, and those are very important. There are seminars dealing with work relationships. Again, very important to give attention to that. But when was the last time you went to a seminar about friendship, about cultivating the gift of friendship? Well, this morning, for a few minutes, I want to explore this theme really through two two kind of buckets. The first is the need for friendship. We're gonna dig into the scriptures and talk, what does the Bible say about our friendships? What did Jesus say about our friends? And secondly, to look at the practice of friendship. How might we begin to step forward in cultivating this in our lives? So first, the need for friendship. If we undervalue friendship, we turn to one who certainly did not undervalue friendship, and that is Jesus. All through the Gospels, we read that he spent significant amounts of time with friends. Remember, he was accused of being a friend of sinners and tax collectors because he was sharing meals and spending time with them. We read in the book of John about three dear friends, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. And it's obvious that when Lazarus dies, Jesus is emotionally touched by that. There's an intimacy, a closeness. Jesus was friends, close friends with Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. And twice, as far as I know, throughout the scriptures, Jesus stays awake all night, not to write a paper or a sermon, not for a work project, but both times Jesus stays up all night, it's to do with friendship. One time, he is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he asks his friends to pray with him as he faces the cross. And the other is found in Luke 6, when he is choosing his friends. Let's take a look at that, Luke 6, verses 12 to 16. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. And when morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. And then in John 15, verses 15, we read this I no longer call you servants because A servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. If anyone could have been a Lone Ranger, it would have been Jesus. He had three years, about a 1,000 days to save the world. If anyone could have gone it alone, it would have been Jesus. Now, do you remember that old, classic, iconic figure, the Lone Ranger? I know it's from generations past, but it, it sort of remains an iconic figure because the Lone Ranger was brave and strong and self-reliant and a rugged individualist. The Lone Ranger didn't need anyone else. And friends, I wonder if in our hearts there lives this kind of ideal, in our minds that that is kind of the picture of, of a fully human being that's the ideal someone who doesn't need anyone else because you know what the worst thing to be to be is to in our minds the worst thing to be perceived of is is to be needy no one wants to be needy no one wants to be thought of being needy that is a a strike to our ego and it makes us feel weak and pathetic and so I think deep in our hearts there lives this myth of this ideal of the Lone Ranger and yet I invite you to come back to the most fully alive human being who ever lived the most fully human being who ever lived Jesus Christ and if Jesus needed friends and sought friendships, and cultivated those friendships, how much more do we need those as well? One of my former professors, Eugene Peterson, puts it this way, friendship is a much underestimated aspect of spirituality. It's every bit as significant as prayer and fasting. Like the sacramental use of water and bread and wine, friendship takes what's common in the human experience and turns it into something holy. Have you thought of friendship in this way, that prayer is important, that reading the scriptures is important, that serving and worshiping in a community is important, but have you thought of friendship as a key spiritual discipline to foster your relationship with God? Well, before we move on, I want to just dig just a little bit deeper to the story of creation. Because in the story of creation, we realize that friendship is what we were made for. It's part of how we've been designed or we've been created for. In Genesis 1 and 2, there's this beautiful creation poem, creation account, where God creates, and then after he creates, little audience participation, what does God say after he creates? I'm hearing, like, really quiet whispers of being really safe. But what, is, what does God say after he creates? It is good. It is good. And, and after the series of creation, he says, it is good. It is good. It is good. There's this repetition that flows throughout. But in Genesis 1 and 2, there is one thing that God says, it is not good. And Adam is created, but Adam is alone. And God says, it's not good. Now, I would remind you that this is before Genesis 3. So, sin has not entered the world. So, it's as if in the very design of creation, God has created Adam. God has created human beings with an ache for friendship, with a deep longing and desire for friendship. And I I use the word ache intentionally because many of us know the ache of a lack of friendship. We know the ache of loneliness. We know the ache of desiring to have more friends and deeper friends. We, we know that. And that ache reminds us that we were not made as machines or robots, that we were made for relationship. And so when you feel that ache, painful as it is, Maybe reframe that for a moment and just remind yourself it's because this is what I was made for. I was, I was made for connection with others, to share who I am, to be known. We need friendship. But we. let me encourage you to think about it this way. We also need to go a step deeper. We need what I'm calling spiritual friends. And I want to quote... Um, Martin Buber, who's a respected Jewish theologian, this is what he says about spiritual friends. The greatest thing any person can do for another is to confirm the deepest thing in him, in her. To take the time and to have the discernment to see what's most deeply there, most fully that person, and then confirm it by recognizing it and encouraging it. A spiritual friend is someone with whom we can go a little bit beneath the surface. We have lots of friends that we share activities with and interests with and that's important and that's healthy. But a spiritual friend is someone that we can plunge a little bit beneath the surface, where we can be honest about who we are, our fears, our, our shame, our dreams, our hopes, where we see God in our lives, where we wish we saw God, where where we're confused, and it's a place of grace where we welcome each other in that space, where we listen and see one another and accept one another and celebrate one another. Proverbs 20, the purposes of a person's heart are deep water, but one who has insight draws them out. That's a great definition of a spiritual friend. We need friendship. We need spiritual friends in our lives. And I want to now look at this second movement of the practice of friendship. How do we do that? How do we move towards cultivating this as a rhythm in our lives? What would it look like to be intentional about our friendships? You know, as I was reading through this material and preparing this, I I was challenged because I, I think that I... Certainly appreciate my friends and the friendships in my life. I value them. Um, they're gifts, but I, I think they fall down the priority list a little bit. You know, work uh, is up near the top, and family and even other rhythms like prayer, scripture reading, those seem really essential, and friendship seems further down the list. Like it's a nice thing when it happens. It's like a sunny day in Vancouver in January. It's a nice thing when it happens, but it's not always there. And yet I was challenged, what, how might we be intentional about cultivating these friendships? And the first thing about moving toward this intention of friendship would be to know that a friend commits. That a friend commits. We may need to choose a small number of friends, one or two or three, in order to cultivate deep spiritual friendship with. Just for fun this week, I, I went on to my Facebook account. I, I don't go on to Facebook very much. If you've tried to reach me on Facebook and I've ignored you, my apologies. Uh, I go on like occasionally, once a month maybe, just to see what, what's happening. And I thought, I wonder how many Facebook friends I have. And I clicked on it and I was surprised. I have 1,400 Facebook friends. Now, if you're impressed by that, don't be, because I don't know a lot of the people that I'm Facebook friends with. I scroll through that list and I'm like, mm, you vaguely look familiar. Maybe we went to high school. I don't think we ever talked in high school, but somehow we're Facebook friends. Um, and then a little bit later in my study, I read a quote from Aristotle who said, he who wants to be a friend to all is a friend to no one. So this afternoon, I'm going to defriend about 1,000 people. <laughs> Sorry if that's you. Um, Of course, there's nothing wrong with having Facebook friends. My point is that this term friend is, 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 is pretty loosely defined. You can't possibly cultivate relationships with 1,400 people. Those are connections, network, associations, and those are good, those are healthy. But it could be that we are invited to be intentional with a small group of people one or two or three. In the life of Jesus, we know that he taught thousands at a time, sometimes up to 20,000 people. That's a Rogers arena full of people. And yet we know that Jesus had a smaller circle of 72. Those were maybe his immediate community. We know that he sent those out, those people out on mission. And then he had a smaller circle of friends, 12, and then he had three in his inner circle, Peter, James, and John. And he invested most of his time with that inner circle. David Bentall is a a local business leader and follower of Christ, and he's uh, shared at some of our leadership programs and and at a 10th service about a day where he met, uh, he was interacting with a a coworker named Bob, and Bob said, uh, Bob's also a follower of Christ. Bob said, David, who are you accountable to And David was a little taken back with the question. He said, what do you mean, accountable for what? Should I be accountable? What should I be accountable for and who? Should I be accountable to you, Bob? And it began a conversation of trying to figure out what this might look like. So they went to see their pastor, a man named Carson, and they said, can you help us as we form this accountability friendship? Carson, who are you accountable to? And the the long story short is the three of them forged a kind of friendship, a sort of trio that has lasted over the last 40 years. And they regularly spend time with each other, having deep conversations, being soul friends, listening to one another. They actually crafted a little one-page document to, to give definition to their friendship. And this was the first thing that they started with. There is nothing that you have done or ever will do that will cause me to stop loving you as my brother. That's Article 1 of their friendship. And David says that sometimes when they meet, one of them will say, I need to invoke Article 1 today because I have something to share with you. And yet that, that friendship has provided a place of safety and grace and listening. They said that they were inspired by uh, Benjamin Franklin, who journaled his weaknesses, and he called it his pursuit of moral perfection. And these friends say, ours isn't quite like that because we're not pursuing moral perfection, per se. We're, We're pursuing a deepening relationship with God and with each other and health in our families and in our work lives. And a couple of these gentlemen have walked through deep grief and traumatic things in the past few years, and they've said, never could have got through this without my, my wingmen, my friends. Who might be one or two or three people that you might want to cultivate this kind of friendship with? Maybe like Jesus, you need to spend some time praying about it. He spent all night praying about those friendships, and that may be a start for us, is Where are we called to invest our lives and to share our lives with as soul friends? And secondly, when it comes to the practice of friendship, a friend confides. Your friendships need to be strong enough to be weak. You need to be strong enough in your friendships so that you can be vulnerable and weak with your friends and be accepted and prayed for in that place. As Dr. Jim Houston, the president of Regent College, principal of Regent College said, friendship is built on the mutual sharing of weakness. That it's in our weakness that we come together and like those roots that go beneath the surface, we support one another and are there for one another. Andrew is a member of our 10th community and recently sat down to talk about what friendships mean to him in his particular life stage and through the pandemic, take a look at this video.
1: Last year was, yes, a lot of fun. Uh, Many different fun things I haven't done in a while due to the pandemic that I could do. Um, But if I were honest with myself, it also was uh, very difficult because a lot of changes in life and in work. The most difficult part is probably I developed this deep fear of being a single person who is uh, almost in his mid-30s. When I see my friends who have gotten engaged recently or married, it would make me wonder if I could ever find someone. When dates or relationships don't work out, I would wonder the same thing. Holidays also became quite difficult because holidays are time um, celebrating with your family Um, well I do have my immediate family but then I do recognize that I don't have my own family at first I think I was trying to shut down a lot of my emotions Um, trying to bottle it up um, and not deal with it but I I think it just was quite overwhelming so um, I was hanging out with these two buddies of mine from small group one time and I decided to tell them quite openly about what was going on and ask them for prayer. If I were being be honest, it felt at first very scary. Usually I like to share something about singleness with humor because it is very embarrassing. Um, or sometimes I would like to share these struggles when their emotion or the, the feelings have passed. So I've moved on already and then I would tell them. Um, but then this time I decided I was gonna tell them right at that moment when it was all kind of happening. They reacted very well. Um, they, they listened, they were not dismissive. I think most importantly, they didn't offer any advice. They didn't try to fix me, uh, which I really appreciated. So sometimes when I'm, when, I, when I'm having these fears or these anxieties again, or when I'm feeling sad, I would uh, reach out to them and they would, they would drop by my place and we would just talk. We don't, we don't pray every time when we meet, um, um, but I do really sense God's presence and him comforting me through my friends words and just their presence when i hang out with my buddies it's not always uh, always so happy always so fun there's always a hint of sadness um, but it is still a big highlight from last year because i have friends that um, is there for me um, i also really do feel like when I need God the most, he appears in the form of my friends who can listen to me, who can be there present with me, uh, and who can also encourage me.
0: I want to thank Andrew for just his vulnerability in sharing that story. But also celebrate with him how God has been present to him through his friends, and has really brought something beautiful into his life in the midst of uh, something very difficult that he's walked through, fears that he's walking through. Friends, what what might be a takeaway for you today? We've talked about the the importance, the 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 need for friendship that we saw in the life of Jesus and through the scriptures, the ache that were created for friendship, our desire for spiritual friendship, what might be a takeaway for you today? Friendship is really the heart of the entire gospel. The entire gospel, we are pointed to a God who is friendship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a divine friendship. At the center of the universe is a relationship of friendship and you and I are invited in here's the mystery of the gospel is that Jesus calls us friends Jesus who is the king but the king is also your friend Jesus who is, is Lord over all but that Lord is also your friend Jesus who is Redeemer and Savior but that Redeemer and Savior is also your friend and when you come to that place of being able to call Jesus friend and knowing he calls you friend, I, I think it, it transforms your spiritual journey, that you know that your friend Jesus is with you in the midst of it. And, it. and he also has designed you not just for friendship with him, but friendship with others so that you might grow and flourish and stand strong. Let's pray together. So, living God, we invite you now, our friend, to come and do what you do. You, you take these words and you personalize them for us. You put your finger on something in our lives that we need to pay attention to, some way that you've, you've, you've got our attention, you're, we're noticing, and we, we just want to take a moment to acknowledge that. So friends, just take a moment to listen to how the Lord might take what we're talking about and and personalize it for you. Lord, I pray for this community, this East Van community, that you would Help us to enter deeply into a friendship with you. And that you would also foster and enable us to cultivate friendships in our lives. Guide us in that, we pray. We need your strength, we need your help. So guide us in that, we pray. And may those friendships cause us to deepen our friendship with you, in Christ's name, amen.